0: Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now 248 545 soul NewSkyRadio.com.
1: Believe. Can bright lights chase away parasites? Is New England more haunted than other places because it's old? Is it okay to believe in the paranormal if you belong to a traditional religious group?
2: Hello there and welcome to the 464th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am the aforementioned Ben and those many and varied questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. So this evening we bring you an open line show to get into our ever-growing stack of emails on many different paranormal subjects. So our call in number this evening is 248-545-7685. Again, that is 248-545-7685.
1: Let's uh, let's get right to it. All right. This is from... It's about parasites, and it's from Melvin in the UK.
2: Alrighty, So Melvin writes to us, The use of uh, full-spectrum light at night uh, greatly reduces parasite attacks. Uh, I was given the solution via a uh, Qigong master slash expert. Um, for those of you who don't know, Qigong expert is uh, master of qi. Or... There's also uh, uses of it in Tai Chi and all that fun stuff. Uh, I sleep under the covers with uh, shades on uh, to enable uh, to enable me to sleep. These things have drained energy off me for years. Uh, I also had a, a UFO thing to deal with as well. I am very much on board with your thoughts. Uh, please pass on the light idea for those suffering... From these things. Uh, best regards to you and Ben. Both of you, uh, you, you're both doing a great service to the understanding of our reality.
1: Well, thank you very much, Melvin. I appreciate that. On the issue of light, uh, I don't see any reason to not agree with you. I think it depends, at least in my experience, on the parasite, on, on the species, yeah. on the circumstances. Uh, if it's at night, when you're in bed, where your bed is we were talking recently been about uh, well the, the whole issue of uh, underground streams and rivers sort of conducting oh, yeah. uh... the telluric current at certain times of the day we were talking about three a.m. recently and um, i think that that may all have to do with it however i think that that as as a rule of thumb i've seen no reason to disbelieve this I, um then again things happen during the day with parasites too so i think it is good advice but it, it probably it might have, I suppose, only well the application within certain parameters. I mean, you've never really done anything with that. Either. No, yeah.
2: i never really thought of it. Actually, I mean, it makes sense now that yeah. I think about well, I've it. I've thought
1: of it and I've kind of experimented with it. But uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't, as I said, I don't see any reason to disbelieve it. Uh, but again, thank you, Melvin, for writing in. I think it is it's good advice, something to be tried. And also, it reminds me. Speaking of light, the, uh, there's an old folk remedy for this sort of thing uh, the, that is parasites, slash demons, wherever you want to what label you want to pin on them, and that's the the visualized light. I've really found that to be true. You know, I first found out about that from Ed and Lorraine Warren uh, some uh, many many years ago, and uh, I've found it to really be. and I've since uh, encountered it in many different under, with many different sources of advice for uh, dealing with negative paranormal entities and and situations, or even negative situations in general, and one of the things that that I like to do is uh, in my meditations to sort of cast this uh, visionary light this this light, which is a very bright light You, you envision yourself surrounded with it, and I like to expand it out to the whole neighborhood and our whole town, and if I can, like the whole world you know, I, th- I think that that's a very positive thing. So, light in any form does seem to be uh, something good. So let's uh, let's take that as as advice. On well, to the next email. Yeah, on to the next one. This is um, paranormal investigation. It's from Allison Crocker. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, well, it just says um, I won't give. The, I don't give the county. <laughs> you need to <laughs> somewhere in the maybe.
2: UK. Just give me the next emails, and I'll just wipe out the okay. last names, and then this won't happen. All right. Alrighty, Allison, no name uh, from the U.K. Or Actually, yeah, from I almost thought it said New Hampshire for a second. Uh, she writes to well, us. Well, yeah,
1: thanks. No, now you gave away the... Well, all right.
2: What do you mean? Uh, you know what? Whatever. All right, whatever. I, hi, Paul and Ben. I leave the, the U.K., says the U.K. right there, and occasionally go on uh, paranormal investigations with the team. A couple of weeks ago, I was lucky enough to spend the night at... Uh, I believe
1: North, it's pronounced nose.
2: Noth Fort on the uh, Dorset coast. I was surprised to see the professional ghost hunters, quote unquote, uh, using ghost detecting apps on their cell phones and androids. They work similarly to K11 EMF uh, readers, apparently. Uh, have you heard about this? And how do you feel about it? Best wishes, uh, Allison. I love your show and heard you on uh, heard you via Cassandra Eason. I've oh, heard of yeah. you via Cassandra.
1: Cassandra Eason, a good friend of ours, a prolific author who lives in the UK.
2: I don't. That just seems weird. How could you make apps for ghost hunting? That well, does I've heard of that. Is it? It does it work. <laughs> just,
1: well, 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 that's the question. It, this, this stuff, anything can be made into an app, and usually is. And you know, if you go online, you can find all sorts of silly websites with uh, ghost hunting equipment, and people make a killing from this because it's a big hobby. right? I don't think it should be a hobby. It's extremely dangerous. It's really not necessarily the greatest thing to get involved with, to say the least. Yeah. But, uh, but to answer your question, Allison, yes, uh, I've heard of it. I um, really don't – I have not heard any really good things about it. We don't put a lot of stock in no. electronics anyway. Uh, we live, as I've said many times, in a society that is uh, intoxicated with technology, whether it works or not. And I just don't think there's any substitute for good sense, experience, and maturity, including spiritual maturity. So, however you may define that. Uh, I I don't really know what else to say about it. I would say beware of these uh, sort of paranormal snake oil salesmen who try to get you to buy these things. Maybe they're free. I don't know. Most things, uh, a lot of apps I, I'm aware of are free. But whether they do you any good is another, another, another question. So uh, I, I am familiar with Noah's Fort, by the way. I've never been there, but I'm familiar with some people who have and have told me much about it. It is a very large Victorian fortification on the Dorset Coast at the mouth of a harbor, and it is well known for uh, paranormal events, and it's uh, full of all sorts of underground passageways, things of this kind. And I've heard all sorts of stories uh, about this, and they seem to have uh, taken up, leads the local tourism authorities seem to have taken up the, the banner of the paranormal, and they offer all sorts of paranormal events, and there are supposedly different ghosts there and all this sort of thing. But So I, I don't know. I suppose any place that's had any sort of... Oh, I've never, I'm not aware that it's been in any battles, but I, I don't know. I just... I've never. I don't know because I've never been there. But I, I'm just. I'm wary of any sort of touristy location that, that touts its uh, paranormal events. So. Well, you know, I may be wrong about this. I don't. Well, know. it's a
2: good money maker.
1: Well, sure it is.
2: Cause it's like, oh, this person's house is haunted. A lot of people want to go to it. It's like.
1: Well, a lot of innkeepers do that. As a matter of fact, I haven't told you this yet because I didn't have a chance. But. Nope. One of the cases we're working on, the owner of the house asked about the wisdom of turning it into a bed and breakfast with a haunted theme. Oh, I did tell you about it. Yes, you did. Yes, I'm sorry, I did.
2: You did tell me about it.
1: And um, we both agreed. You didn't that-
2: tell me that they were going to go with the haunted theme. I thought it was just going to be a bed and breakfast, and then...
1: Oh, no, 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 they, they wanted to... Well, it's an idea that they're, they don't have any money, and they want to save the house, and I, I'm sympathetic to that, but I, I don't think...
2: Well, I mean, that's like taking...
1: She's probably listening right now, so I, I don't know. I'm Apologies for not having written to you about it. First, I will do so, but I don't well, think Well,
2: it's... we'll talk about it at a later yeah. time. Sure. It's, but anyway, it's, yeah. it's more appropriate it's... to do that, talk about it now. Of
1: course. Uh, but innkeepers often do that, and people who uh, are involved in any way in tourism and serving the public will often uh, see the dollar signs or the pound signs in this case and keep, uh, keep doing it. Anyway, but th- that's uh, that's our opinion. Here's one from Nick in Vienna, Virginia.
2: Alrighty. So Nick writes to us. Hi, Paul and Ben. I don't agree with everything you say, uh, but I never miss the show. You have an amazing you have amazing experience and some really unique ideas. I I do think you are too hard on ghost hunters. Uh, many of us are very sincere and really want to learn. Uh, didn't you two start out the same way?
1: Well, no, we didn't. Really, however, I I respect what you say, Nick, and uh, I have met uh, Ben, and I'm sure can agree with me. I guess Uh, we've met several people who are ghost hunters. Again, a term that I don't like, who have been sincere and
2: um, well. The road to hell is paved with good intentions, as they say. Well,
1: precisely. Uh, Just because. I mean, it's kind
2: of hard to say, but I can't think of any other saying that would.
1: Sure, you may try to climb El Capitan in this country with which, which people have done with uh, just gloves and stuff and no uh, safety equipment which i, I don't think it's permitted anymore but you can do that with the best of intentions you can stand on the highway with the best of intentions and a desire to learn and what you may learn might surprise you uh again it's, it's not something that i suggest anyone do i got started in it when i was in the seminary and was um taking a scholarly approach to it it was not authorized as a matter of fact i got in serious trouble for it but nevertheless i, I think uh, i like to th- i like to think that i had some sort of background and i was um uh, mentored by several of the the greatest experts in of the time the jesuit priest uh dr lewis ryan of the what was then the duke university parapsychology laboratory and also edmund warren who um were somewhat controversial, but nevertheless were dear friends of mine, and I learned a lot from them. So, uh, it wasn't quite the same thing as the, the typical biography of the average ghost hunter is so and so was interested in the paranormal from a young age when they lived in a haunted house. Well, fine. I mean, that's that's all wonderful, but I just don't think it's 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 good enough to give you the uh,
2: go ahead,
0: go as ahead, it were. the
1: authority, the sense, the ability to get involved. In that field, and I'll continue with this in just a minute because we have to take a break. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio. We'll be right back, so stick with us for more emails and hopefully more answers. Be right back.
0: Enlighten, empower, enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New horizons, no boundaries. Geek Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. New SkyRadio.com. Leave.
1: Well, welcome back. And we're dealing with an email from Nick in Virginia who likes us but says we're too hard on ghost hunters. Ben, you had some comments.
2: Oh Well, I mean, we are kind of hard on people like that. I do realize this, and I know it can get bad. I mean, we don't know everything. Like, my dad and I could be entirely wrong about these things, but from our experiences, it's like someone gets a gun. They go to a shooting range. They don't ask for help. They don't have any instruction, and they just start firing away. Do you, you know how dangerous that is? Like, oh, yeah. Like, well,
1: well, it,
2: may, it seems It seems like an extreme example, but this is what ghost hunting or in paranormal investigation is extremely extremely dangerous but nobody gets it they don't understand
1: well one of the one of the responses i've gotten when i've said that is from people who have read lots of books but the trouble is we live in a time when any idiot can write a book and usually does (coughs) publish it one way or the other and uh, the the quality control. It's like the internet the quality control really just isn't there sometimes on internet radio too that Quality control isn't there either. Now, like, we have to obey FCC rules on this show, and a lot of people don't uh, if they're just on the Internet. But anyway, they, these are all these are all issues that I think uh, create problems in, in the field of, quote-unquote, ghost hunting. Many of the books uh, simply repeat mistakes made by other people or, or what we would consider certainly errors or dangerous advice and this sort of thing. It's like, uh, under another hat, I'm a historian too, so... Uh, And one of the problems you encounter in local history, state history, regional history is that every other town has some old person, and I'm one myself, so I'm not making fun of old people, who is a brilliant, you might say, lore master, expert on the local lore or folklore or different individuals in a certain area. And these people are precious assets for knowledge. When they're gone, they're gone. That's why oral history, uh, getting to know people like this is is excellent. However, very often they carry over things that are just not correct from the history of certain areas. They put it in books if they write books. They repeat it orally if they are uh, being uh, researched by an oral historian. And uh, these mistakes can multiply and get carried over into other books until they become perceived facts perfect example of this is, well, there are all kinds of examples. The Civil War, American Civil War is one thing. The English Civil War is another. There were all sorts of misconceptions about these wars, for example, that are simply not true and have become gospel because they're carried over into the classroom as well by teachers who aren't necessarily experts in the subjects they're teaching. So this this, this multiplies and echoes through society so that all sorts of false impressions may be gained. The same thing is true in the paranormal. You know, starting with um, ancient conceptions of spirits and things of this kind, uh, this has been carried over and is accepted as absolute truth by people who research the subject as amateurs. However, do you notice one thing, Ben? When we have people on the show who accept the classical interpretations, and so some of them have PhDs, I'm thinking of our good friend Dr. Andrew Nichols and some other people who, who are open to all possibilities but do... Um, at times, uh, are sympathetic to things we are not sympathetic to, but maybe that's our problem and not theirs, they, um, a lot of people seem to accept the point of view that we espouse to some degree, uh, or at least considering the possibilities of uh, multiversal explanations rather than spiritual ones, so to speak, or, or both being the same thing or whatever. So uh, there is a current of thought out there that might maybe is progressing, but I don't think that...
2: It's well, the, I mean, it it's there's danger. there's still that well there's Mavericks in every field. Mm. So it's like it's not like one idea gets captured over another. There's pl- there's a plethora of different ideas out there and some people uh hang on to some more than others. Mm-hmm. Some people aren't open-minded at all and they may say they want to learn but they don't. Not saying that Nick over here is like that. Mm-hmm. But some people Say yeah, I want to learn new things, but at the same time, they they're like, well, uh, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that, which is perfectly fine. But then it's like, well, then why do you say you want to learn if you're just like not even going to listen?
1: Well, that's true. And another issue is the issue of how you think, whether you think, and how you approach this subject with the knowledge that that you might have or think you have because first of all one thing we can both testify to is that nothing in the paranormal is what it appears to be Yeah. and with our limited uh... i suppose very limited western thinking uh... that we see the whole world through we have trouble understanding that we do tend to accept things for what they appear to be because that is the logic that our minds have been educated with so I, I just think this is a problem as well you may think that something is benign it is you know you assume it's the ghost of some person who died in the house or was killed in this crash here and all this stuff and certainly those things affect the multiverse because of the emotions released but whether whether or, or you, and you assume it's some residuum of this and you know you can't assume those things we don't find that at all I've walked into cases on, on a number of occasions that other people have said, well, this is a residual haunting of some kind of person who was killed in this particular event or in this place. And I have um, taken a different approach deliberately and have managed not only to interpret it differently, but to change the nature of the phenomenon simply by looking at it differently. Here's our quantum physics again. The observer seems it's sort to of change like
2: well, It's sort of like a physical
1: philosophy. Well, it is. And the, the real danger here is if you're dealing with something you think is benign and it turns out to be a parasite, it's extremely dangerous. People bring things home with them. Sometimes the parasite will attach itself to you. They're none the worse. Um, they're 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 no more aware th- than um, anybody else would be who thinks th- this way, and it creates serious problems. It can wreck lives. It can wreck families. And it is utterly dangerous. It needs to be kept away from. And people say, well, okay, well, what if, what if you're in a situation and the paranormal comes to you? Well, that's something else, because you're not seeking it out, but you still have to deal with it. Yeah. So, but you don't call in people who are seeking it out, unless you are really sure that they are capable of dealing with it. Well, it's like
2: what Socrates said. He, like, the per- well, it's sort of a uh, paraphrase. The person who wants to be the leader shouldn't be the leader. The person who doesn't want to be the leader should be the leader.
1: And those are the, That's the classic para- one of the classic paradoxes in the multiverse. Yeah. Things are not what they appear to be. Things that, are, things that are true appear not to be true, very often, in, in multiversal contexts, and uh, vice versa as well. So, take it for what it's worth, that's our opinion. But thank you, Nick, we appreciate it and we respect uh, what you say. Okay. Uh, here's one, oh, this is an interesting one, this is from Brian in Belvern in Pennsylvania.
2: Alrighty, so Brian writes to us, Dear Paul slash Ben, I've been reading... Uh, William Burroughs works lately and he speculated that atomic weapons could be uh, could destroy one's soul can atomic death really have such an effect
1: that is a very interesting question so uh, the, well I mean you, okay certain terms have to be defined we're always getting into this but but it's important what do you mean by soul
2: which we never really got an answer on whenever no. whenever we've asked people
1: yeah. Well, it comes from, from the, the Greek word, anim, or I should say Latin word, animus, uh, simply the, the spirit or the essence. And I think it's probably what most people mean. Uh, the question is, w- what what capabilities does it have, or what vulnerabilities does it have if it is separated from the body? I don't think it ever is, in, in the sense that uh, both are immortal, body included, I think, in the context of the multiverse, because you're a lot, and it's... it's maybe being simplistic but you're alive in so many worlds and so many simultaneously you can't die it's not possible so in that sense the soul if it's an adequate term really cannot, cannot die but the whole issue of atomic death is very interesting I have said and people have pointed this out to me that parasites can I believe be killed and I think I've witnessed that once or twice. But the question is, what meaning does that have in a multiverse where death is really impossible? So, these, so you can apply our limited human thinking, and you can go round and round and round with these things. That, as people have done for centuries, and you're not going to get an answer that fits that framework, because these things are outside of the framework of science. Trying to put a square
2: peg into a round hole.
1: Exactly. They're outside of our science. They're outside even of our spirituality at times. Although buried in each, I think, is the knowledge that our remote ancestors had about how this really works. So I don't think that even in an atomic blast, a soul could be destroyed simply because it is, it is in so many universes at the same time. And the critical thing to understand is that each is that you, it is all you. It's all part of you. Each life you're living in a parallel world is, I suppose from a viewpoint of an analogy, uh Equivalent, equivalent to a cell of your body. You need every cell to be the whole you. And uh, in the same way, in the, if your one cell might only, might only be aware of its own existence, which that's not true. But I mean, uh, in the in the context of this example, I think that we are all, we may be conscious of um, maybe one existence. Not many people are conscious of more than one. But our subconscious is aware of all these lives that are going on, and that's where we get our experience, our imagination, our ideas, and that's what I believe anyway. So I don't think I can answer yes to that question, Brian. Uh, can, atomic, can atomic death really have such an effect? It, this is an ironic question for me, because in my personal opinion, and I've said this on several major radio shows, I think that we face in the next few years, uh, up through the 2016 period, the distinct possibility of nuclear annihilation for a large part of the population. And Everybody said, well, "What are you talking about, Paul?" I mean, the Soviet Union. Uh, you know, uh, those who are my age grew up in a time when there were thousands, so tens of thousands of nuclear weapons pointed from one country to the other, really pointed all over the world. The primary targets. Mm. Uh, matter of fact, I was telling you the story the other day, that I what um, uh, was a kid, just a kid. In uh, St. Mary's Roman Catholic School in East Hartford, Connecticut, and one of the nuns w- was putting us through the air raid drill the government required, which was hiding under our desks. And uh, I, I was a, I was a weird kid, as I'm sure that's not too hard to believe. I stood up and I said, "Well, Sister, you know, respectfully, may I say this? We are less than two miles from three primary targets: the state capital, get across the river, the." Uh- Pratt & Whitney Aircraft Corporation down the street and a major railroad uh, yard in this town. And I said, what's the point in hiding under a desk? She said, get under the desk! (laughs) So, I don't know. But whatever the situation may be, I hope it's not true, but uh, it will eliminate large numbers of of people, which some groups, I'm told, want. It also will um, uh, be the occasion for a substantial parasite Feeding frenzy? Can I use that term? Sure. So I don't know, but they, they, that's for perhaps another show. But I think it's an ironic question and a very good one. But I don't think that the soul, or the, I don't I, let me put it there. I don't think the person can be destroyed. The person is throughout the multiverse. The person is forever, and ultimately, it's all us. So if one or two cells die, one or two leaves fall off the tree, through nuclear holocaust or any other reason, I don't think. It's anything more than a minor convenience. Inconvenience, I should say. Kind of a silly, not silly, but kind of an odd thing to say. Yeah. But in any case, um, there we are. Okay, so we are getting ready for another break. We're, yeah,
2: yeah, we, should, yeah we, we could wrap up now. Okay. Go for it.
1: All right. Uh, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS News Sky Radio. We're doing an open line show tonight, and we'll talk to you in just a minute. Good morning. CBS Radio, The Sky, and New Sky Radio for entertainment purposes. And advice should not be used in place of appropriate medical, financial, legal, or other professional counseling.
3: smile over grin, Well she won't give in But what she shows is different Well it's written in it, all in her eyes There's no disguise Well she lost so much in Tivoli Together we could go Strong. Well, she won't let on. Oh, that I'm never gonna leave her alone. Well, it's been nearly it all in her eyes. There's no disguise. Well, she lost so much until we Together we could go.
0: Kick Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now 248 545 soul New SkyRadio.com.
1: Believe. Well, welcome back to the show, and we're doing an open-line show this evening with various emails on many different subjects, paranormal subjects, of course, from our many listeners, and uh, the very intelligent questions I generally uh Ben and I generally agree, and you're welcome to call in as well, 248-545-7685, although most people seem to prefer to write emails, so in any case, uh, Ben will be back in a minute, but here is one on ghosts from Brittany in New York City. How come, nobody expl- else, how come nobody else explains ghosts the way you guys do, and can some monsters and UFOs actually be ghosts? Well, that's a good question, Brittany. I don't know why so many people don't explain ghosts the way we do. I I explain it not because I sat in a classroom or anything like that. I spent the last 43 odd years in the trenches investigating the paranormal and I went in with many of the same assumptions that everyone else has and more because I was a seminary student at the time and was being guided by people, well, one major priest who was an expert on exorcism and uh, he instructed me in uh, that realm and uh, a scientist and um, two people who were primeval ghost hunters, uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren. And so I kind of got it from all directions, but I found that none of what they, I was presented with from any of the three fronts I was learning on really was good enough, was adequate to explain what I was seeing and experiencing. So uh, that's why we explain it the way we do. Uh, again, uh, through the the, the quantum multiverse kind of idea that you have multiple worlds and when you see you you can uh, interact with those and they can overlap our world, that's depending on whether the energies are right in that regard and uh, you can have experiences that we naturally will assume are the spirits of dead people or something like that that we can come to grips with. I've often said explaining the paranormal is not the problem, it's dealing with the explanations the explanations are harder to deal with than, than the actual events sometimes because if we realize we have many worlds right next to us all the time in some of which there are hostile entities many of which they could care less than in others in which there are people who are perfectly alive there who have died here then all that is is tough to deal with it's not something we've had we have experience with and uh, the next question here, Brittany, is very good. Uh, Can some monsters and UFOs actually be ghosts? Now, that might seem like a strange question, but it's this pan-paranormal approach, realizing that there are connections between all areas of the paranormal that were not, I I think, really suspected before uh, is, is an important step that is being taken now. Many people in the UFO field Will tell us. Remember, we had Bill Burns uh, from UFO Hunters, uh was co hosting with me on uh, one of our Monday shows recently, and he said, you know, the whole thing about UFOs being related to ghosts is something that's been brought home to him because he has run into cases where the people were seeing UFOs and they had other forms of paranormal activity occurring in their house or in the area at the same time. I think they are related because the processes by which they manifest are the same, in my opinion. It's this multiversal thing when worlds overlap as we believe happened in, in one of the most famous examples of this the so-called mothman events of the mid-1960s in the ohio valley we believe what was happening here was that conditions were right and probably had been for centuries off and on for worlds to blend one of which produced mothman uh... in it or other worlds that were overlapping there were ufos lots of ufo things going on people uh, when we were down, they were telling us about when they were kids, there were poltergeist activity going on, uh, men in black, you name it. Red eyes looking out from under their furniture or through their windows, this kind of thing. Uh, all of which is symptomatic of a paranormal flap. So I think, yes, it's a big yes to that, Brittany, that uh, some monsters, so-called, and UFOs actually might be ghosts not that because they are spirits of anything that's died, but because they are they manifest in the same way that people we call ghosts do. People are, or negative entities we call ghosts do. And that's through the overlapping of these parallel worlds. And then the question arises, well why would parallel worlds overlap? Isn't that a very messy way to organize creation? And I know a lot of people uh, might wonder if, uh, people who believe in God, and I hope most people do, because I certainly do, might not be the same one I learned about in the seminary, but in any case uh, what, why would God organize creation like that, whatever he, she, or it may be, or they, or whatever? And the question uh, is a good one. Uh, but I think that if you look at all things considered, all aspects of the multiverse, it is a beautiful and elegant balance. Just because it might not be to our liking or might seem uncomfortable or inconvenient or even horrible to us on some occasions, there there does seem to be a perfect balance.
2: Just because it doesn't make sense doesn't mean it doesn't work.
1: Just because it doesn't make sense doesn't mean it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So to speak. But you're right, Ben. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know if you had any comment on that, but that, that's, that's a couple of good questions. Well, you
2: probably already said uh, that you have a philosophy degree and most of them don't.
1: No, I didn't say that.
2: Ah, well, you have a philosophy degree and most of them don't? Well, that
1: means I went to school. Yeah. It depends how you think, whether you can think, and this sort of thing. I mean, some of the dumbest people I've known and other PhDs have agreed with, the, with me on this, or have PhDs after their names. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. But in any case, uh, what, what it, is, it is the quality of one's thought, not, not the uh, quantity, if you want to say that. So anyway. Makes sense. Okay. Next email. This is uh, about the multiverse. It's from Bill in West Virginia.
2: Alrighty. So Bill writes to us, I enjoy your show, but maybe I am listening too often. I'm a doctor in a rural area, and I have started to notice just what you said people would notice because of uh, thinning boundaries in the multiverse. Things seem to change around here by the day. I do a lot of driving in my work, and it seems like nothing uh, seems like things are noticeably different almost every day. Hmm. There is a house that I know wasn't there the day before, and there is a rock around the corner that wasn't there. Uh, my question is this: Is the actual world around us changing by blending with other worlds, or is, uh, or is it all about my own consciousness? Thanks, and keep up the good work.
1: Well, that's a good question. Well, thank you, Dr. Bell. You know, it's funny, Ben. That happened to me yesterday. I was, uh, I was with Mom, and we were coming around the corner uh, down on Privilege Street here, and the, you know that self-storage place? Yeah. It, it looks like it's expanded across the road. I had never seen that building before. She said, oh, oh it's been there for a long time. Yeah, it has. I mean, my mom kind of looks at me funny. Well, I
2: mean, there's, there's explanations for this. I well, mean, the
1: word senile figured in her address to the jury.
2: Well, there's another. There's a, there are other reasons for this too. It may be multiversal experiences, but there is, there have been studies on the human brain and that we put things in, mm-hmm. and like we hide things from ourselves. Right, right. Like we notice things that aren't there, but they may have been there all along, but our brain just didn't fill in the gaps. Sure. So there are reasons like that, but then there could be the multiversal reasons in which these things are actually changing all around us.
1: Well, I, I can safely say, though, despite my being long in the tooth lately, it's it's a matter of I, I go by that place it's four, five, six, seven times a week, and I have never seen that building before. I, and this I, fellow is so I, I know I understand exactly what he's saying. Nah. Now this happens to you too. Admit well,
2: me? yeah. I mean, I did notice that, but I didn't. I, but the weird thing was I didn't notice them build it because I've seen it months ago, but I didn't notice any building materials or anything. It just sort of appeared there.
1: You go by there all the time too.
2: Yeah, that's how I know it was there. Sure. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right, but it's not just that. It's not just us seeing strange buildings. It's it's people riding it from all over the place, uh, seeing buildings that were. I'll never forget the fellow who wrote in who woke up one morning and there was a house he never saw before right across his back garden.
2: Yeah, that's true. I don't know how you missed that.
1: <laughs> well, maybe, well, maybe he didn't. So the question arises, as as Doctor Bill here asks, is the actual world around us changing by blending, with the, or, or is it all about his own consciousness? I think it's both. Because what is what is the world around us? It is a function of our consciousness, and that's what Einstein said about time, and of course space and time being essentially the same thing in his theories. I think it's, 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 really, it's really both. It's a function of consciousness and it's the world changing. Because we share consciousness, in my opinion, and many physicists believe the same thing. Consciousness is non-local. It's not inside us. It's not in our brains. It is uh, Our brain is, is, a, is a, uh, I suppose, a, a conduit of it, but it's shared with the entire biosphere throughout the multiverse, seemingly. We'll have to come up with another term for multiversal biosphere in any case, I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right uh, that, that this is this is what ha- has um, has occurred. Uh, he mentions – see, the thing has been what happens so frequently. Now, sure, Dr. Bill may, may have gone bonkers here. You know, mm. But, I mean, I don't think it is professional. I think that, that would be obvious in other ways. Maybe he. Uh, it's, it's commonly thought to be schizophrenic to have things like this happen. But uh, I I think that that is often an excuse. Uh, As I said, I worked in psychiatric hospitals as a grad student and as a seminary student, and I ran into people who were supposed to be schizophrenic who were unbelievably knowledgeable. I actually ran into a man who thought he was Napoleon. That sounds like a joke because they're mental hospital jokes about guys thinking they're Napoleon. This guy Mm. could describe various battles, including Waterloo, as if he was there. It was amazing. And this was an old man, bedridden, and this sort of thing. So, in any case, I think that uh, there are possible explanations for this, but one of the possibilities is multiversal. So, I think that, uh, that needs to be considered and respected, and it can really change everything. Well, the question is what do you do about this? What if it starts to disrupt your life? How do you deal with it? Yeah, yeah. It's happening apparently more and more, at least from the people we're hearing. maybe our, Maybe we're just becoming ignore it. In a healthy way, well, you know the magic word here, Ben, and you know this word very really, well detachment. 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 It is what is detachment? It's a sense of, I suppose, being outside yourself in a healthy way, because detachment in an unhealthy way is often thought of as a symptom of uh, depression, chronic depression. But again, you know, the psychology makes up stuff, uh, in, it makes up terms that, that can place these very difficult matters in the context of our Western framework and i often questioned not that i don't have a degree in psychology my degree's in something in philosophy but i worked again uh, with psychologists a lot and it just simply didn't seem adequate it seemed to like they were really reaching in many cases so regardless of how you deal with it, uh, it should be done in a healthy manner and it should be uh, with a certain sense of detachment and getting in touch with your other selves and then it all falls into place and makes sense but in any case we're up against another break so You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio. We'll be right back with more emails. Stay with us.
0: Enlighten, empower, enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky, New Horizons, No Boundaries. Gig Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. NewSkyRadio.com.
2: Welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. I'm Ben, and this is Paul, and this is Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. And we are going to continue on with our emails.
1: Okay, this one is from Melissa in Exeter, New Hampshire.
2: Three. So, uh, Melissa writes to us, Dear Paul and Ben, I'm always interested in what you are talking about, uh, but I'm really fascinated by the creatures you encounter in your paranormal travels in the multiverse. Uh, multiverse. Multiverse. What is the strangest one you encountered? And I have met you at the Exeter UFO Festival. Well,
1: that's nice. Wonderful. You well, first. Okay, Th- that's a difficult question, Chris. Probably, you haven't met our cat, Melissa, but... Uh probably the strangest one, but other than him, oh boy, I have met um, a number of people whom I believe were operating in different different realities, some of which, several of which had just come from here, and uh, several others of which were contemplating committing suicide, and I believe I talked them out of it uh, in one world or another. I like to think so. The uh, non-human creatures I've encountered, because many parasites, too many parasites, been too, They probably the most bizarre might have been that bear-like creature I encountered, and I've talked about him on the show before, in an attic near Buffalo, New York. The people as always thought their house was haunted, they heard footsteps, they heard uh, sounds. It's
2: all the normal cliche things you hear. Normal
1: cliche things you hear and I went up and uh, I ne- never, never tried to communicate with these things. That is a very dumb thing to do, but I I uh, put myself in a meditative state and I actually began to hear this particular creature. Very often uh, the human ones are afraid of me because they think I'm a ghost because from their world that's how it, it appears, just the, the same way we see them. Uh, other times uh, there are language barriers uh not everybody in the multiverse speaks English. We do seem to be a distinct minority. But this, this partic- but many of the languages overlap, just as do other aspects of these worlds. This particular uh, creature spoke a very odd form of Latin, and it took the better part of uh, a, a late afternoon and, and evening to sort of get what he was saying. And he was um, uh, very, very, and I always examine this first because you know, I think after all these years of dealing with negative entities, I know what to look for, but this particular entity seemed to uh, just exude a goodness and a nobility that I have rarely encountered in, in this particular world. And he was passing through, he was not aware that he was in an attic, but he was, and very often that's the case. We'll see them in one context, in one space, and they'll be in an entirely different one, and they see us in their space, and we don't realize we're in, in this kind of, it, it seems to be entirely mutual across the boundaries of these worlds. And when they overlap, we are partially in their world. That's how they're aware of us, and they are partially in ours. It's true with any paranormal experience, I believe. So this particular creature was on his way to, uh, on a quest for a place he referred to, it sounded like Renthusia, and he was trying to get to this place, which was a very good place, and um, that was his quest, and I I really couldn't get much more uh, through the language barrier there. My my Latin is pretty good, but uh, this with the weird case endings and strange pronunciations, it was kind of rough to get through it. But that's what I got from it, and that was probably uh, the most bizarre and yet the most one of the most positive. Uh, I've also encountered non-human creatures who are uh, just completely neutral, in the sense of they're not bad or good in, in the sense that I'm referring to this. They just seem to be fellow travelers, neighbors, as as it were, who are just as surprised to meet us. Others are very aware of us uh, in their worlds, such contact is common, and why is that? Because in each of these worlds, the laws of physics may be very different. That's what physicists who approach it this way believe, and that certainly seems to be what I've seen. The, um, among the other creatures, are I, I kind of think of them as, as the, the horse creatures or the horse people, and I encountered one on our at our old... We had some woods there, and I had a little hut for meditation, and when Ben wasn't even born yet, and I walked out, and uh, there was one of these very benign horse-type creatures uh, with—I um, don't know—just a very beautiful face, and I actually heard it walking away through the woods after I encountered it. So, there are many very, very interesting and wonderful and horrible realities out there, creatures, uh, when you take this multiverse approach to this stuff and just don't assume it's dead people. It's, it's the whole uh, first day of school kind of thing. That's that's kind of going on. So, in any case, uh, that, I guess, hopefully answers your question, Melissa, but it's hard to say which one has been the strangest or the most exotic, uh, but there it is. Uh, and these things do, and you, you begin to take these things for granted after a while. Uh, what do we got time for? Got time four, for?
2: We have like four minutes. Uh, so, no. I don't. Okay. <laughs> Essentially, no.
1: All right. So I'm going to we'll, – we'll, we'll wrap it up with that because I don't want to start an answer and not be able to finish it. But I wanted to tell you certainly about two of the charities Ben and I have adopted. Uh, and you can find all the charities we've adopted at, at our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com or NewEnglandGhosts.com. And one is USA Cares, a marvelous charity. They provide financial and advocacy assistance to post-9-11 active duty U.S. military Personnel, veterans, and their families. Uh, if they have a financial need, out goes a check. And uh, it's it's just a wonderful group. So check it out, USAcares.org. A wonderful group, and they're just uh, getting established on the, the East Coast, uh, and and we're trying to uh, give them some support. Uh, also, um, Canadian Veterans Advocacy. Uh, you American listeners, um, I hope, hope you know that our Canadian uh, neighbors and cousins have been uh, at our side throughout the War on Terror, and uh, they, they have a number of organizations for, the, for their veterans, too. Uh, they have uh, veterans also who have suffered terribly, whose families are in need. And this particular organization advocates, uh, does a lot of legal advocacy uh, for Canadian veterans as well. Uh, Mike Blaze founded this group, marvelous fellow, in 2010. And uh, check that out, too, uh, Canadians, Canadian canadianveteransadvocacy.org. It is a great organization. There are links to those on our own sites. So, anyway, check out my books, uh, Paul F. Eno, Barnes & Noble Look, e-reader, and Amazon Kindle, Amazon.com. And also at the websites I just mentioned, and if you buy them there, you will help keep our podcasts free. Because so many have requested it, we are about to embark on an audiobook project for my books and for the one Ben and I are currently working on, which we'll tell you about as we go.
2: And uh, be sure to visit our website, BehindTheParanormal.com, where you can find over 500 free podcasts of all our past shows. And you can also check out www.NewEnglandGhosts.com, where you can find case studies and photos along with articles by my dad.
1: Okay, so um, again, if you buy those um, books there, you'll help keep those, those podcasts free.
2: So many thanks to our producer, Brandon Jackson, and we will see you next week to welcome back Nick Redfern for a look at what the government knows about bizarre creatures, otherwise known as cryptids. So send in your questions to paul at behindtheparanormal.com or use the question form at behindtheparanormal.com.
1: In the meantime, tune into our Boston Providence Drive Time show on WON 1240 AM and onworldwide.com, 6 PM Eastern Time every Monday. And again, check out those uh, over 500 free podcasts at our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com. And we leave you this evening with a thought from some unknown soul. Quote, I don't regret the things I've done. I regret the things I didn't do when I had the chance. Unquote. I'm Paul Eno.
2: And I'm Ben Eno. And thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. And we shall see you next time.